from the Rock Church of the Bighorns in Sheridan, Wyoming, this is the Rock Church Podcast, where we discuss issues impacting our lives, our families, our community, and the church from a Christian perspective. All right, we're back. We're here once again. I'm I'm Troy. Uh, I'm Try. He's Try. Try. We're, we're going to do this every time. Um, that's how we roll. It's kind of our shtick. Um, so we're back with the another episode of the Rock Church podcast. I think this is episode six. Sounds yeah, right. I mean, we're rolling. I mean, we're yeah. It's getting to be a deal. Yeah, we're like. I mean, I think we've like four followers now. Maybe. I mean, we're and they're all in this room. So it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is a big deal. So uh, we're here today to talk about worship and joined today by uh, Elisa Sauer and Ben Keller. Um, They're very involved with the worship team and have been for a number of years. And so we're excited to have them. We just thought we would talk about worship today. And so I guess with that, welcome to our our little thing here. Um, We're by no means professionals, as you can already tell. I mean... (laughs) So uh, I thought we'd start off just by getting some intros for maybe those that tune in from who knows where uh, to find out who you are and why should they be listening to any of us, to be quite frankly. So Elisa, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the role you play here at The Rock and uh, more specifically in worship. Okay. Um, I've attended The Rock for a little over two years and got involved in the worship team um, almost a year and a half ago. And um, then a little over a year ago, came on staff um, as assistant to the church administrator and then um, got to start full time um, in June of last year as the church administrator and then just kind of fell into the role of um, worship coordinator. So that's what I'm doing now. Nice. Learned to play keys in the meantime and um, taking voice lessons to get better and Wow, that's coming along nicely, too, if I do say so, yeah. Ben, how about you? Well, thanks, Troy. I think you guys are phenomenally professional. You guys are doing a bang-up job. (laughs) I mean, look at this. Look at this setup. Well, no one can see our setup, but yeah, I'm impressed with the setup. But they'll imagine how good it looks if we... Yes. I mean, yeah, so if you imagine a a (laughs) high-tech studio, um, it's everything opposite of that. So, I mean, it... Right. Yeah. Microphones falling off the table right. and everything, Absolutely. just yes. like just like they do in the biz. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, my name is Ben Keller. Um, I've been attending the Rock here with my family for oh, like fifteen years now, quite a while. Is that all? all right. Something like that. And uh, I'm a uh, slightly below average guitar player and considerably worse singer. So somehow I'm not sure why I'm on the worship team, but I got wrangled into it, and I love it. Um, I don't really know what role specifically I fill in at The Rock. Uh, I think I kind of have found myself just kind of filling in wherever there happens to be a void uh, over time. Um, But I really do enjoy my time specifically on the worship team. And by that, I mean that oftentimes the things we do in service uh, in the church, whether it's teaching or cleaning toilets, whatever the thing might be, can sometimes be exhausting and cause us to burn out. But being on the worship team is not one of those things for me. It's one of those things that actually recharges me, and um, so I love doing it. Yeah, and how how long have you been doing the worship team now? You've been on quite a while. Yeah, so probably 2014 I started. Okay, sort of playing guitar on the worship team. Nice. Yeah, and I know you're you're humble in that sense. You don't give yourself enough credit as far as the guitar playing playing goes. But 
man, I would, if I was even half as good as you, I'd, I'd be happy. So, yeah, you know. he's, he's all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you said you, you kind of, you, uh, you know, you, you don't know what role you have. You kind of, uh, fill a void. Does that mean you avoid or <laughs> whenever just, possible? I'm just curious. Right. Yes. Your job is to avoid, avoid, avoid. Yeah. Yes. Avoid. Okay. Yeah. Like I, the Noid. I would say Ben has filled just about every role probably yeah, at sure. some point in this church. I mean, he's. Well, I figure if I keep trying, eventually I'm going to find something good at. So. But, yeah. We're still looking. So keep it up. We're buddy. still looking. Just keep bouncing yeah. from one thing to the keep next. Keep it up. Keep it up. <laughs> keep trying. So I thought I'd start off, uh, since we're talking about worship today, I looked it up. What's, what is worship? You know? And so there's the, you know, the Merriam-Webster version of worship. Mm-hmm. But I found this um, version of worship, and it does align pretty closely to the um, Merriam-Webster ver- version. But this was on version or you know, the Bible app, if, mm-hmm. um, if you have it. But it says worship is to express honor to God through extravagant respect, mm-hmm. reverence, and devotion. I like it. Pretty, mm-hmm. pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. I think Merriam-Webster uses the term deity, um, obviously, but um, and so there's, you know, there's a lot of verses in the Bible related to worship. Um, some of them are saying don't worship this, don't worship that, but there's um, specific uh, ones that talk about worship, and so I, uh, I just put a couple down here because I, I didn't want this to be just this big long scripture reading of of all the ways that the Bible references worship. But uh, John four twenty three and twenty four go like this. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Thoughts on that? Digging even deeper into that, I mean, mm. I was, ta- I was just thinking that that uh, you know, like the the dictionary has kind of a you know a deity or or whatever. But I I think that hum, humans are worshipers, and we all worship something, you know, even if it's really not God. But it's so knit into to our soul that you know some people worship their work or. Or, or money, or, or whatever that looks like, but, there, but there's something always in our lives that we are ascribing to the highest worth, and, and really we become worshipers of whatever that is. Yeah, I think a word I would add to that definition would be adoration. Maybe that was in there and I missed it, but I think the word adoration is an important part of worship, too. And, and, and to me, that means that thing that you adore, that thing that is valuable to you. Um, and, and so I think worship is an expression of acknowledging the worth of the thing we adore. And, and, and so to worship in spirit and truth, I think, brings us to away from some of those other things that Tri just mentioned that we happen to worship. It, it's, we don't, it's not as valuable to worship our work or our things or even our spouse if we're worshiping in spirit. But I think when we worship in spirit, it brings us to that place of the things unseen, kind of where the Bible always reminds us to go, to, to place our, the things most valuable, not here in this life, but beyond that. And that's, that's really where, where God sits, that throne. And I think when we can allow ourselves to worship in spirit, 
we're placed in that reality we were created for, and that's where worship really matters. And I think worshiping in truth is also significant. And I think this is where we miss a lot in our in our culture where we see people saying, well, look, we're both worshiping the same God, we just do it differently. And oftentimes we're not, right? We're not, uh, we're not doing it the same. And, and I've heard this illustration a lot. I've actually, I've mostly heard it because I say it a lot. I stole it from somebody years ago, and I can't remember who. If I write my letter, uh, a love letter to my wife, and, and I want her to feel honored in this love letter, I write this, the most beautiful words, and I say, Honey, you, you're so amazing to me. Your jet black hair just really cranks my motor. Your, your, you know, your, your long, dark legs and, and your, your dark brown eyes just really rev me up, right? If I say beautiful words like that, but I'm not describing my wife with those words. You, you guys know my wife is a short blonde with, with hazel eyes. So if I write that to her, it's not going to go well for me, right? When she reads that yeah, letter. Yeah, you're in trouble that's if exactly she gets that right. letter. You, you, yeah. you got it. And I think oftentimes in our culture, people want to worship God, but they worship the view of God that they just have in their head or that they want God to be, and that's not worshiping in truth. And, and so I think it, having a, an accurate picture of who God is when we worship is a really important part of him feeling adored by us. So that. To me, the worshiping in spirit and truth are two really key components to drawing us in to actually worshiping him correctly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's often easy to think of worship as just whatever we do on Sunday when we're singing, but, um, it, it starts with where, where our heart is and if our heart is focused on God or not, because if our heart isn't focused on God, when we get together and sing, it's just, it's words and it, it doesn't mean a whole lot other than just singing some nice words with a nice melody. Sure. And uh, Psalm 102 says, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. And um, I mean, this is very specific to our church, but just this morning, um, uh, Phil made a comment about how we looked very somber sitting last Sunday. He just kind of, from the back of the, the church, he um, said, you guys, didn't look like you were enjoying it, enjoying worship. So I was like, wow, that's, that's a very interesting observation. And so um, I would just, you know, whether it's us or any, any church for that matter, taking ourselves too seriously in, in worship and making it more about um, maybe ourselves or whether we are enjoying worship and putting more emphasis on who we're worshiping. And I think, um, Maybe just as a reflection of ourselves, we need to consider that, you know, in the mornings when, when we're gathering and we're preparing to worship and we're, you know, doing our, our prayer time or whatever. So that was just an interesting um, little bit of feedback that I, you know, kind of a, I don't know if you want to call it a wake up call, but it was interesting that. Um, you know, Troy, I think, I think that's one of the challenges I've dealt with being on a worship team, being up front, particularly when I was asked to you know, hold the microphone and talk. Um, I think people in that role sometimes become overly conscientious of the people in front of you. And when you start thinking about how this projects to the audience from like a performance perspective, it robs you of the worship to some degree. And, 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 I think when you're in that role, you've got to be able to separate yourself from 
the performance mentality. It's not, you can't worry about what people in front of you are thinking of you or seeing it as you're there. Um, it's so important to be able to be a part of them and worship with them. And there's a component of leading into that, but, but if, if I'm just worried about if I'm doing it right, if I'm, if I'm thinking about, okay, am I going to strum on the right chord? Am I going to say the right thing at the right time? If I'm thinking too much about that, it robs me from the worship, and I'm not in the presence of God, I guess, in my own mentality when I'm in that place. So it's a challenge for me mm-hmm. to be able to remove myself from that kind of performance mentality. I think Big Daddy Weave had a, was either a song or an album called Audience of One, and, and that, that's that idea that, that God is the audience, right? There's, there's not an audience that you're up there performing for that, that we're taking part corporately in, in magnifying God, that he's the one who really is, is the audience. So like you're saying, Ben, you can't get caught up in the people in front of you. It's mm-hmm. not about that. Um, and certainly a lot of churches honestly do these days. I mean, they basically kind of put on a, a rock show every week, you know, and, 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 you know, Hey, whatever. But, um, but, but, being mindful of, of who we're performing for, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a sense, or worshiping in that, yeah, it's all about God. Yeah, I, that, it's just such an interesting balance, because when you do get people's feedback, um, I think people are pretty passionate about their opinions on worship, so it's um, it's hard to know what to do with that feedback, and filter it, th- filter through it, and then go, okay, but God is my audience, and um, yeah, because as we are on the stage, our goal is to worship God, but we also want to encourage others to be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting. My dad um, was a pastor for years in um, one of the churches. He was lead pastor for 12 years. And the first couple years he was saying the, the whole, con- the whole, um, issue of the worship team was kind of contentious. There wasn't, I don't think contentiousness on the worship team, but people's opinions about it were, were pretty contentious. And one lady approached him and said, I can't stay here at this church anymore. The worship grieves my spirit. And my mm-hmm. dad's like, uh, like what I, you know, what, what do I say to that? Like, yeah. okay. Like if that's what you feel like you need to do. So, um, it's a, it's a really interesting thing because it is so visible and it is so public um, but I don't know if everyone always understands that we're trying to, you can't make everyone happy, but you mm-hmm. got to strike some sort of a happy medium. Rick Warren said, I think he said, uh, he had somebody come up to him after worship and said, the worship did nothing for me today. And he said, well, I didn't know it was about you. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I, uh, yeah. as I was Preparing kind of, you know, for today, I was reading some articles and things, and I, I saw an article where um, Matt Redman, he's a, you know, he's a, a contemporary Christian artist. And I, I think it went back to like 1999 or 2000 or something like that. But um, it, their worship service got to a point where it every Sunday it became more about the performance. And their pastor said, that's it. We're unplugging. Mm-hmm. They turned everything off. They took away microphones, they took away amplifiers, and it was just acapella. They just sang. There was no instruments, nothing. And they did that for a time until they got back to the point where they realized it's not about the performance. We're not putting on a concert here every Sunday. We are worshiping God. And so they just got back to 
the basics of just singing. And mm-hmm. so I'm not sure how long, I don't think the article stated how long they actually did that, but it, it helped them reset and helped them um, really consider coming before God on Sunday morning and, and worshiping yeah. versus it just being, you know, like this, like you say, a rock concert, you know, every Sunday. And mm-hmm. I know some, some churches have gotten really big because of that, but, um, you know, I, I guess too, I would, I would wonder if they have the same thoughts every once in a while, you know, if they, if they consider that yeah. or if it's really about, you know, numbers and mm-hmm. churches get so hung up on bringing so many people in and things like that. But I think that's when Matt Redman wrote the song, The Heart of Worship, was in yeah. that season. Yep. And I was thinking about that too. I was like, well, that'd be a cool title for a podcast, The Heart of Worship. And how do you mm-hmm. get back to that? And that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the song I was thinking of. Yeah. You know, Troy, on that, on that same note, in that passage you read says, worship with song. And, and some of those things we choose to worship with, we have to remind ourselves, they are not worshiping of themselves. They are simply tools or vessels of worship. The worship is the posture of our heart, right? And that doesn't require song. That doesn't require tambourine, a, a tambourine or a, a lyre. I mean, that, those are just tools to express our heart of worship. A few weeks ago, I was, I was studying through Gideon, and as I shared that with the, with the congregation. And one of the things that struck me in Gideon was... God is trying to build his confidence, and God, God calls him into the Midian camp who he's supposed to attack, and he says, go down to the Midian camp and, and, and just park yourself there and listen. And when Gideon goes down there to this camp, he's sneaking in in the darkness at nighttime, and he's listening to two guys talking, and, and they share this dream that, that kind of goes Gideon's way, so that fills Gideon with courage and encouragement. And, and it says at that point, as soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped. And we know, I mean, it wouldn't make any sense for him as he snuck up next to this massive army in the middle of the night. He's not making noise, right? That wouldn't make any sense. So, so he's, he's worshiping and he's completely in stealth mode. So he's completely quiet, but he's worshiping. And, and that just really struck me. It reminded me that it's not about the music. It's not about the expression of the worship. It really is about the posture of the heart. It really is about just acknowledging the worth and the glory and the goodness of God. When your heart is there, you're worshiping, regardless of what the expression of the worship looks like. Sure, yeah. And, and I don't know, maybe there, there probably is a difference, but you hear praise and worship, and there's praise and then there's worship. And um, you see those two used a lot together. And I mean, what do you, is there a difference there? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And I guess I'm just kind of thinking out loud. So when I think of praise, I think of acknowledging the attributes of God, right? It's not necessarily, I, I, the first thing I would do is separate praise and thanksgiving and acknowledge the difference there. Cause I think sometimes we confuse those. So thanksgiving would be being thankful for something God has done. And praise would be just acknowledging his character. And I think maybe a step further would be worship is, is acknowledging that character, but then the worship is, is to really adore that character, to really uh, see its worth, the character of God, to, to establish its worth in your own life and make it valuable to you. Well, and I wonder if praise, like we can kind of make ourselves um, say the attributes of God and 
whether we feel like it or not. But I kind of wonder if from that comes the heart of worship or the spirit of worship. I don't know that we can really manufacture that that worship that comes um, in our heart, but um, we can, you know, make ourselves say say the words and the attributes of God. I know when I was, you know, a child in church and we were part of, you know, we were in the service for the worship time. I know my dad, if everyone else was standing, my dad would always ask us to stand um, just as like a posture, even if we didn't want to sing. Because I remember as my brothers got older, they didn't really care to sing, um, but they still were expected to kind of join in and by standing or whatever. So I wonder if that's a little bit of the difference too, is just um, not necessarily based on feelings, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Worship is more of the, the spirit in us doing something. Job is a lot the same with Gideon, that, that after just such tragedy befalls him, it says that he, you know, he, he tears his clothes and, and he worships God, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that he wasn't singing at that point. He didn't right. certainly didn't feel like a lot of things. He was just overcome with with uh, just grief and tra- and but he worshipped still his heart before God. He still recognized God as being his provision and his his place, and, and he worshipped. Yeah, I think we see a lot of our we we base a lot of our worship like services our our tendencies in the modern modern church around the way David worshipped. And David worshipped with, with music, but I think you get the impression David was a very expressive and emotive kind of guy, right? And he was a musical guy also. That was the medium by which he expressed his worship, was through music and, and dancing and joyful, and, and that's a beautiful thing, but that's David. That's not necessarily Job, or maybe it wasn't Job at that point of Job's life. There's, you know, I mean, I, th- I think we do ourselves a major disfavor if we in uh, an injustice to, to God if we try to limit worship to these little categories of expression. Um, and and it's, it's, I think, also important to incorporate our, our whole self, and sometimes that's through other, um, all of our senses into worship rather than, than just our, our, our voice or our hearing, but, but, but to find ways to just kind of enrich our whole self and into that, our place before God, somehow, just to just to really examine His worth and acknowledge that. Really, all of our giftings and things like that really are meant to be expressions of worship, to do all things as to the mm-hmm. Lord. Um, you know, the arts. I, I think of the arts, and like like you're saying, Ben. You know, it's it's really something that we relegated to to the society, to culture, and, and almost feel like you know Christians. You know, there's not a Christian place for some of the arts or something, but in, in reality, I think all of those things are expressions of worship in areas that really Christians should reclaim. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we can even worship by just walking outside and seeing the mountains and just saying, wow, God, those are amazing. Or, um, you know, hearing the songbirds and saying, wow, God, it's so amazing to hear all the different sounds of the spring. Or, uh, those are always that we worship God. Or even the little hint of spring that we got today. Mm-hmm. I was pretty happy about that. Yeah. Thankful. Good with that. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so I wanted to go back to a comment you had made earlier about feedback. Um, mm-hmm. Because obviously you must get some as uh, 
sort of planning out the worship service song selections and things like that. So um, how do you handle criticism or the negative feedback um, from the congregation uh, about maybe the music we're singing or the songs that were picked or do you get a lot of that? And, and how do you address that? Yeah, I personally haven't, haven't had a lot. I've had a little bit and that's something I'm still wrestling through of, um, you know, like, cause when I, when I do pick songs and now we're kind of sharing the load for the morning service more of who's picking songs, but I, you know, I, I'm trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and to what he has. And so, um, yeah, try to, try to listen to feedback. Probably the one I've had the most is just the desire that some people have for upbeat songs. So I've tried to be intentional of incorporating at least one of those in the four that we typically do in a week. But, um, yeah, it's, that's one of the things that's kind of hard for me. I'm, I'm a perfectionist and Unfortunately, my mentality is just to think that like I'm always I'm always right. Like whatever decision I make is right. And obviously in my head I know that's wrong and that for the last 10 years that's something God's been stripping away from me. But I find myself still falling into that mindset and so I've had to in the last few months acknowledge like, oh, if someone gives me feedback, that doesn't mean that I did something right or I did something wrong. That's just what I did and um it doesn't reflect on who I am. Like I'm still a child of God. And so I have to keep going back to, um, to that truth and, and just accepting that, that I am going to make mistakes and I'm not going to make everyone happy. And, um, and yeah, just keep going back to God with it because otherwise it would be, you just fall apart. I think if you took everything to heart too much. Yeah. Yeah. We tend to internalize criticism, mm-hmm. take it personally. Maybe we shouldn't. But. And then try to, um, how much input, like I know you, you know, your sermons are intentional. Is there any input from your side as far as like, hey, this song would really go great with my sermon or? Sometimes. Not, 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 not always. Uh, what we're trying to do is, is have kind of our, you know, we've got a few things new. Like Elisa said, we're kind of sharing some of that load, but whoever that week is going to, pick our songs and stuff like that. I want to make sure that I have for them uh, what I'm preaching on on Monday and l- allow them a couple of days to really meditate on that and think about that. Because w- uh, again, when we start talking about worship, we want to start to have people understand that our worship service is much more than just the singing. Mm-hmm. The singing is just one component of our worship mm-hmm. service. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it really includes the, our, our singing, reading of the word, prayer, and, and then the message, basically, you know, just that, the whole of that is, so we want to have that be kind of an inclusive experience. We're hoping to do the best we can with, with songs that will go with that. Sometimes I might have one, you know, gosh, I really like this song. I really think that would go along. But, but, but for the most part, I, I really like the idea of, of many of us having participation within that, that service. And, and so it's not something that I like try to micromanage or anything like that. I, you know, people generally... Uh, come up with great songs. I feel like the Holy Spirit, you know, leave the room for the Holy Spirit to work and all of that and, and whatnot. Um, and, and if I could just really quick circle back to, to just kind of that idea, I think that uh, people and, and preferences towards music and things like that, I think one thing we have to always keep in mind about worship is that we're trying to engage people and help them to to enter into worship. And I think when you come in on a Sunday morning, you have to really recognize that there are people that are coming from many different uh, facets of life 
on, on a given Sunday. Some people are celebrating great things and we want to celebrate with them, but other people are mourning things or, or in a much more somber frame of mind or something. We want to engage that as well. And we want to help everyone to just kind of what it, wherever they kind of come in to, to be able to connect somewhere and, and then kind of go to the throne room together kind of a thing. And so I, you know, for all of us, we've just got to remember that we're not all coming from the same spot every single week, and we don't all have the same preferences. And sometimes what maybe isn't my preference is a great blessing to someone else within the within the congregation. And so, you know, it's just another one of those things where, you know, a little bit of a perspective outside of ourselves is just as good and what God's calling us to. You look like you had something to say, Ben. Yeah, I often have that look. <laughs> I, I would say <clears throat> on that same note, you know, I'm I'm sometimes reminded we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts, enter his courts with praise. And and that's not necessarily a prescription for a Sunday morning worship service, but it's a good reminder to have that attitude and to have that that energy. And I think I think Maybe as and I, and I think maybe Elisa, some people say, "Well, I want upbeat songs," but I think what people really want is energy, and I think that energy can exist in slow songs and in upbeat songs, uh, and I think that's our role is to really bring that that worshipful energy into the service, and that 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 helps people posture their hearts in that place of of wanting to to acknowledge the worth of God. And, and, um, and I think that energy is, is the thing that can connect people from, from the different places that Travis was talking about that they come in. Some people are broken when they come in and they're not in the mood for upbeat. Right. And and some people really are. The sun's shining. Hey, I got my coffee in and I want to, I want to dance. Right. But I think, I think the energy, kind of the worshipful energy is the thing that can kind of link people and, and bring people together. And I think that's the important thing for us is the, is the worship leaders, I guess, if you will. And I, and I kind of hate that term, um, but for lack of a better word right now, I, I think our role is to really help posture people there and to, for us to, to come into the service with that energy is important. That, that energy that, okay, this, this is, this, I want to enter these courts with thanksgiving in my heart. And that, that's a, a joyful place to be. And, and bringing that joyful energy is a really important part of connecting people. Rather than the style of music or the the tempo of a song, I think the energy is the thing that really permeates people. Yeah. So how do you, I guess maybe, I'll just maybe time change. I'll use that as an example. You come in, maybe you you know you lost an hour of sleep and you're just not feeling it, but you're up there and you know for lack of a better term leading mm-hmm. worship, but you're not. I mean, what do you do to prepare? How do you set yourself up? with the energy, maybe you don't have any of your own and you're going to be in front of people and, you know, they're looking to you to, to bring the energy or to lead them through the worship process. How do you prepare for that? Or how do you ready yourself for that? Uh, if you're asking me what I do to prepare for stuff, you're going to get a pretty short answer generally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not, a, I'm not good at preparing. I'm, I'm not much of a planner and I don't do much ahead of time, but, but here's what I would, what I would say is just generally trying to approach life with the attitude of Paul in prison, right? That man, even when, even when you're tired, even when you had to set your clock ahead or, or your dog died that morning or whatever the 
thing may be that you're carrying with you when you come in, just remember that God's good, right? And, and that he is worthy of not just my song, but he is worthy of me being grateful just because he gave me this day. And if I live my life like that, I don't really have to worry about reorienting myself when I come in on a Sunday morning to sing songs. I think it really is, I, I, don't, I should not have to change the condition of my heart when I get up on stage in front of people. I, I, hope that I'm, I hope that I'm living my life in such a way that that's the condition of my heart all the time. And I know I fail at that, but that's what I'm aiming for. That I shouldn't, I, I don't want to have to reorient myself when I come in on a Sunday morning. I want to just be natural, and I want that to be who I am. I want to be a grateful person. I want to, I want to live a life of gratitude, knowing that, man, I didn't earn any of this. Man, I, I am just here because God's merciful, and he's got gobs of grace for me. Yeah, I mean, real practically, I try to be really intentional when I get up on a Sunday morning and have to be here at 7.30 to, to just take a couple minutes and and pray. And often on the way here, I'm, I'm singing and to get myself into, into the right um, frame of mind so that I am ready to be a good example of being in worship and have the heart of worship. Yeah, absolutely. And I imagine that even as a pastor, I mean, preparing, you know, you're a mean cajon player for sure. Oh but, yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, even deeper than just the cajon having to, you know, be in front of people every Sunday or whatever. And it's probably the same, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, I, I really, I, I try to spend some time in prayer. Um, yeah. It's, it's helpful for me. And generally, you know, Anna will pray for me, over me, and spend some time with the Lord that way. That's just to get myself right and ready. And, and then leave room for the Spirit, honestly. I mean, I, I think that that's just kind of another thing. I, when I have led worship a lot in the past, I, I would try to be prepared, but not over-prepared. Like I, I would have meditated and thought on things, but still also leave room for the Spirit to maybe intervene and say what the Spirit would like to say in the midst of it. Yeah. So as we, you know, we're, we're preparing in the, on Sunday morning or even throughout the week um, to come to worship. Um, what? How do we, how, how do we encourage our congregants to participate? I mean, I've heard the term, the frozen chosen, and sometimes, you know, you look out from the stage and, you know, whether it's an upbeat song or a very um, contemplative song, slow or whatever it might be, sometimes you just don't get participate. People are just standing there. Maybe their hands are in their pockets or, or so I, I guess maybe. The question is, what do you what do you think that is, and then how how do you suppose we could or maybe we do already prepare our congregants for worship? And, and are there like are there methods in place that I mean, obviously clapping, having an upbeat song right out of the gate usually gets kind of people's blood pumping. But once again, you know, you got to come with that as you mentioned. Try the same. Everybody's coming in from a different a different spot. Thoughts on that question? So I think that's the, that's the challenge of having a healthy congregation, generally. I mean, uh, I think a, he- a healthy congregation, uh, for the most part, comes in with hearts of, of, of worship oriented towards, towards worshiping God. 
and that that's that's achieved not by just having attractive music on a Sunday morning, but having people taking ownership of their faith and being engaged throughout the week, you know, on a daily basis, being engaged in their faith, pursuing God regularly, being involved in other people's lives regularly, and being plugged into the Word regularly. You know, Try, you were, you were talking about kind of that idea of preparation and, and specifically when you're preaching. And, and, but I think there's something really supernatural about God's Word and about when you go to God that he, he, even when you're not feeling it, when you, when you just, when you're in God's Word and when you're abiding in God regularly, that, that's just where you live. Um, it's not such a long journey to be in that, that place of worship. It, it's not so, I mean, it's, it's just a more natural place to be in this, this place of worship. And so I think from a church leadership perspective, trying to just really encourage that congregation who is abiding in Christ's love all the time and, and leading people to there so that when they come in on a Sunday morning, it's not been six, six days since they were worshiping last, right? And, and if we're a healthier church, that's not the case. And, and I, think, I think the hard part, um, if, if you get there, then the, the challenge becomes making that an attractive life to the people who are new, who, who aren't regulars. And, and, I, and I don't think that's so much up to us. I think, I think Christ tells us they'll, they'll know who you are by your love. And I think when we're, when we're genuinely loving people and in that, bleeding out that love that we get from that abiding in Christ love relationship, it is attractive. And, and, and people can't help but see that and want that. And I think that's what we need to be aiming for. And, and when we're there, when, when we're living our lives individually and, and as, a, as a group and as a congregation, that's a beautiful thing that people do want to be a part of. And when people want to be a part of that, again, getting in that place of worship is a more natural place to be. I'm thinking too, uh, as something just practical throughout the week. Um, while, you know, we talk about worship and it's just, you know, singing or whatever is just one form, music just being one form. It, it also, that's true, but it's also a very powerful form. There, there's something about music that, that goes into a deep place. There's a reason that God, that, that we sing. I mean, it's kind of a unique thing in a way that we would get together and the first thing that we would do um, in, in our adoration towards God is that, is that we would sing. And, and there's something about it that opens up our soul to a message. There, there really is. And if you think about music, all music, it, 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 it glorifies something. It, it worships something. It all has something that it is putting up high and, and kind of giving worship towards. And, and some of those things, you know, not worthy of worship, obviously. But, but I believe that God has made music on purpose this way. Music is interesting. It's, it's, it's mathematical. It's, like I said, we identify with who we are by what we're listening to. We very much, who we are is, identif- we identify with that through the music that we're listening to. And so I would encourage people to listen to Christian music throughout your week, you know, that, that you know, the lyrically and those kinds of things, are you, are you listening things to things that really edify you and really, you know, build you up? And the, the really cool thing about Christian music today is that I don't care what genre of music you like, there's, there's really good artists performing that music and stuff like that. So I think a really practical way throughout the week is just to be having your own personal 
worship time in the music that you're listening to and whatnot. And, and again, we know that worship is much more than just work uh, music, but music is a very powerful part of that. There's something to it that is that, that goes into a deep place in us. Well, yeah, and I'll just, you've probably heard this story, but from personal experience, just at, just at its core, just to draw people to church or to God or whatever you want to call it, uh, that's the reason why we're at this church. I mean, Jackie and I were going to another church for a number of years, and it was a traditional style, you know, sang out of the hymnal. And um, I don't necessarily knew that I, I grew maybe at that church. I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't plugged in, and I was still pretty pretty new, you know. Um, but we were listening to a lot of, you know, like the wow, remember wow worship CDs, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. they had a lot of Christian music back, you know, early, late nineties, early two thousands. I think when Christian music was really starting to kind of take yeah. off a little bit. Um, and it was me making a comment to my wife. We were listening I probably to wow worship and mercy me and, you know, mm-hmm. casting crowns and all the, all the great artists. And I was like, why can't there be a church that, we go and we sing this kind of music. I would go to a church that played this kind of music. And so my wife being the researcher that she is literally within like half an hour, she's like, I found our church. We got to go check it out. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was the rock church. And that's what drew us in the door was the contemporary worship. So, um, you know, whether it's all about the the music or not, there's an attractiveness to the, the type of music that people like. And that's the type of music that I liked. And I, that's what got me in the door and what led me to salvation, quite frankly, mm-hmm. is had it not been for the fact that the rock church advertised itself as a contemporary Christian church mm-hmm. that played contemporary and new music. So mm-hmm. there's a lot to the music side of it, you know, and so um, obviously the music's what gets you in the door and then you you learn, you know, but uh, you get deeper and you, know, you learn what it's about, what the music actually means. But it was the music that that got me in the in the door because quite frankly I was pretty turned off by church at that point just based on some experiences so powerful music is very powerful to your point track and I think it's I think part of what's powerful about it to me is you really see God's creative genius you see his creativity in music how you combine different sounds together and sometimes it just sounds awful right but you combine the right notes together and you have that that perfection of a, a of harmony right and and you really see the intentionality of God's creation his design in music that comes out in such a pleasing way right and and I think maybe other people see that in color in art and mm-hmm. and I hear it in music and that's why I really wish I was a, an actual better musician because I want to make that beauty and I, I, I can't, I, I wish I did, but, but to hear that. And, and so for that reason, I, I, I don't hesitate to listen to, to stuff outside of Christian music either, because the music itself, I, I can still just, it just draws me into God's creative power when I listen to music. And, and there's something certainly to be said for, you know, not listening to stuff that's not wholesome or stuff that is going to lead you into a, a place of darkness as you listen to certain lyrics. But, you know, I, I'm kind of a, a closet metalhead. I, I love metal. And so it's hard to find a lot of radio stations. Definitely good Christian metal, I'm just saying. It's harder to find. It's harder <laughs> to find. I mean, there's not a good Christian metal radio station in Sheridan, Wyoming. 
and and I'm not technologically advanced enough to to stream music so or have playlists. <laughs> I was in the car the other day, and I actually changed the radio station. And my sister was in the car. And she goes, "What kind of playlist is this?" I said, "This isn't a playlist. This is the radio." <laughs> oh, I haven't listened to that in years. <laughs> so, but but just the value of 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 song in itself, and and the combination of of sounds together just blows me away. How how, how perfect that design is, and universal. Mm. Sure. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I know one one thing I I uh, attended Celebrate Recovery for a couple of years in their their Friday night large group gathering and I found that for the worship time because, you know, large amount of people who were there were recovering addicts and so they knew what God had saved them from and what they needed God to save them from and I think often if it's people that have gone to church for all their lives or whatever and they they maybe like have been, you know, quote unquote, good people their whole lives. And maybe they haven't um, been chemically dependent on something. So they may not quite understand what it is that God has saved them from. And I know that's how it was for me up until 10 years ago when I was like, oh, I'm a perfectionist and I'm worshiping my perfectionism more than God. And so until I, until I saw that for what it was, I didn't really know what I was saved from. Like I could say, well, God mm. saved me from my sins, but I didn't have that, that same experience that I think people who are in recovery, like really understand, like they're fully dependent on God, just even for their next, the next day, the next moment, the, just the strength to abstain from whatever it is that they've had an addiction to. So I think that, I think that makes a difference too. If we look out and just see the frozen chosen, like, there could be a multitude of reasons, but that could be one reason that um, people just think, well, I'm a pretty good person, and they may not understand what God's actually saved them from. So they don't have that, like, I'm going to worship God because he's my everything. They don't have that mentality. I think reminding us, reminding ourselves of our insufficiency sometimes is important to, to that point of, yeah. of remembering how dependent we are on God. and and I've. I've started to fast more lately, um, and, and for me, fasting, uh, food fasting is an important part of just, it just reminds me of my dependence upon God mm-hmm. and, and how I, I'm nothing without Him. I, I can't live without Him, and I, I require His design and His intentionality and His provision in my life just to live, just to be alive. I'm dependent upon Him, and I think that is part of placing ourselves in that place of worship right it yeah. is is acknowledging his value in our lives again yeah um i'm just going to shift gears here you kind of tie you touched on it a minute ago but not necessarily related to our conversation but you talked about technology and how you're totally deficient so um i one one of the things that um obviously with covid and things it changed how people do church and i think it probably changed church for who knows maybe forever but um people realized hey i don't i don't have to go to church i can watch church and hey i don't necessarily care for the message that my pastor has but there's a pastor that's in north carolina man he's got a great message mm-hmm. and i can tune into mm-hmm. any church i want so um what are your thoughts and i'll just go around the room here uh, what are your thoughts as it relates to online worship and has has that has technology helped or 
hindered, hindered how we worship. And I, I know, Tri, you've, you've, I just the look on your face said it all, but uh, since, since they can't see the look on your face, why don't you go ahead and... Uh, <laughs> I'll start us off. Yeah, start us off. How long do we have? Uh, I no, don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, two things. One, it's both. It, it's a wonderful tool. So, so online worship is, is a fantastic tool. And, and I've had a number of, of different examples that, that I've had that make me go, oh, this is a good thing that we're streaming. You know, like I've had, there's a lady who a- attends here, but is, you know, attending to her 95-year-old mother, and she can't come, but she gets to stay connected with the church this way. Last week, I had somebody who reached out who said, um, who was struggling, had moved off, was li- is living in Colorado, and telling me of all these struggles in their life, but says, you know, I'm watching every week. You know, so really that person should have a, needs to have a local church body, but at least we're providing something. Um, so I, I would just say this, you know, that like online stuff, just it's, it's not really church. It's a tool that, that helps us with church and, and it can be a fantastic one on a lot of levels. Um, if we kind of buy into the idea, you know, church is, church is a community of people. And what I would tell the, the person who, you know, we have all of this uh, variety now of available to us anytime. And, and it's really easy to get a better speaker than me. I mean, it's a, you don't even have to go very far at all, but certainly online, you can, you can listen to the best speakers out there. You know, got people who have prepared 40 hours for this message that they're going to get or more or whatever, and they're, you know, wonderfully gifted and all of that kind of stuff. And that's great, but that's not the same as being involved in a church body. And so if you just go out and you seek that, you know, just the best teaching that you can get without the, uh, without really belonging to a church body, then you're leaving yourself outside of really what church is intended to be, and in a very dangerous way, too, because if tragedy shows up in your life, if sickness shows up in your life, if death shows up in your life, those guys are not going to be there. But if you belong to a body of believers, they're going to show up. And, and, and so I think that's something that's really important for us to, to, uh, to remember these days, you know, is that, is that church, that's, that's not what church is about. That's never what God, that's never how God organized or said, this is what church is, you know, it's the, it's the most amazing worship team that you could ever find in the world, along with the best speakers and all of those kinds of things. Those are great things, and we appreciate the people who are super gifted. And those things can be great additions in, in, in like your growth journey and, and all of that kind of stuff. But if you're relying on that and you're outside of real fellowship, you're, you're missing what church is, is really about. Yeah, tries definitely right. It is easy to find a better speaker than him. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. We we are blessed. We are. No, no. Tries tries right about more than that. I I think from the technology perspective, if the technology is is orienting you to the goodness of God, it's good. But if the technology is isolating you from community, it's bad. Right. And so it can. It's it's both good and bad. And it's it's again a tool. And like any tool, it, it just depends on how we employ that tool, whether it's, it's, it's good or bad. It is such a blessing to be able to see people stay connected that wouldn't otherwise be connected without the technology. But it's also disheartening to see people starting to isolate because they can depend on the technology. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very careful with it and really trust in God's leading in that. 
Uh, and I think Paul teaches us in, in 1 Corinthians 13 that all the greatest things that we can enjoy, and this try this to your point, all the greatest things we can enjoy are nothing without love. And, and, and love really is relationship. There, there's not love without relationship or community. And, and so uh, to be plugged in, to be part of her community is, is such an essential and integral part of the church experience, of, of belonging to God's people. And I don't think we've you know, I think we see in creation that we are designed for community and for relationship, not just for our own enjoyment or satisfaction or provision, but to teach us, to prepare us for our relationship with God, to, to show us what that looks like. And so if, if we are isolating because the technology makes it easy to not have to show up at church or to belong to a small group or an accountability group, it's not doing us any favors. We might be learning all all brilliant theological things, but we're not actually we're not actually where God, I think, has designed us to be. And the technology, like if we if we are listening to the top of the top speakers um, through technology that or like worship, you know, that can make us really dissatisfied and really give a a comparison. And so we then we we come to the physical church and we're like, oh, this worship isn't that good, or oh, they don't do it like so and so, or oh, the speaker isn't speaking like so and so, or you know, he doesn't use alliteration in his sermon or, you know, just all those things that can make us really, really uh, discontent and um, probably also contributes to the consumerism mindset that a lot of people have when they come to church of like, this isn't, this isn't meeting my needs because it doesn't have X, Y, or Z. Um, And that's like, Tri said, that's not the point of church. It's, it's coming together to fellowship and worship God together. Yeah, I've I've even um, heard of some churches just they after COVID they've done away with with online church. They don't even live stream anymore. It's like we're not we're not going to enable people to isolate because that's what they'll do. So they've they've just done away with it. Um, and I I'll just say maybe it's encouraging a little bit. Honestly, I I think our our um, our live streams is a is a great tool and it does allows people that. Like I'll just give my parents as an example. They will, they tune in every Sunday. Mm-hmm. They watch, you know, from Arizona. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, maybe they're not plugged into a local church. I think there's a couple down there that they've, they've checked out. Um, but for whatever reason, they they like to watch the the sermon here online. So that is um, a cool tool. But um, I will say, the numbers of the live stream have drastically decreased since we've been able to collect, you know, mm-hmm. come back collectively as a, a congregation. So that's encouraging people just, yeah. they're not staying home. Yeah. They're, they're coming to church. I mean, we're still getting the views, but it's not like, you know, we're not getting, um, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 people on our live stream every Sunday. Like we were, we're getting three, four, five, mm-hmm. eight, ten, maybe. And so, um, it's encouraging. I think in that sense that people are coming back yeah. to church. I think one of the, one of the, benefits we're seeing as a tool is, and this isn't just streaming, but also just having a good website and those kind of things is, is we are a more transient society and people want to be able to preview an accurate picture of church from, from afar. But you know, if they're going to move to this community, a lot of people are, are checking out churches from wherever they're living before they ever even get here and get some kind of, some kind of view of what it's like. And, and so it's been a useful tool with regard to that aspect also. It's the front door. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I, yep. I, I would probably do the same thing, honestly. Yep. Me too. Um, I guess I don't really have any other questions. I think we kind of worked through it. Um, but like I like to do every time I, I like to bring like weird statistics and stuff, you know, just different studies that people have done. So I doing a little research, I'll just read through some of these. And if, if any of these stand out, feel free to, to, to comment, but I'll just go through some of this stuff I, I felt was kind of interesting. So according to, this is a survey conducted by, uh, the Barna group. Um, this was from 2020, 40%, 46% of practicing Christians in the United States believe that worship services are becoming more meaningful and significant in their lives. So that's, that's pretty encouraging. Um, and maybe too, if you think 2020, you know, that's right in the middle of COVID too. So I think folks, you know, yeah, when, when things like that happen, they tend to, you know, have questions, you know, faith-based or whatever, spiritual, spirituality. So uh, COVID may have had a, a, a bit to do with that. But uh, in a study conducted by Lifeway Research in 2019, 84% of Protestant pastors in the United States said that their church's music style was either traditional or blended, while only 16% said it was contemporary. So, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of low on the contemporary side. Um, I think ours is probably blended more on the contemporary side, but, uh, blended to some extent, I think we mix it up. And this one I had, a, I do, I did come up with a follow-up question to this, this statistic, just to get your thoughts. Uh, according to a report by Christianity today, the use of hymns in worship services has declined over the years with more contemporary worship songs being used instead. So what do you think that says about the church in general as more and more, I'll just use the quote boomer or baby boomer led churches become gen x and millennial and even gen z run churches do you see maybe hymns sort of going by the wayside with more like gen xers gen zers millennials starting to take over in in leadership roles in the churches i i don't know that it's specifically generational i i think i think it's fair to to not always lump hymns together because there's some really old hymns and some not so old hymns and, and like hundreds of years apart and so we got to remember that even some hymns were brand new contemporary music at one point and and so i i think i think there has been kind of a renaissance of christian music in the last 30 years that has opened our eyes to say okay well there there can actually be good worship outside of hymns and i think there was a void for for decades of, of just really good worship music beyond hymns. So I, I see that variety now of just being more opportunity, and that's, that's why we're seeing such a decline of that, because there's more option now. But I think you also see a lot of, a lot of the contemporary worship artists now are, are still doing a lot of hymns, but doing them from a, a more contemporary perspective. So I think they can, they can still have life and still have value. And and I don't know that they're ever going to go away because, because there, there's some that the spirit just enjoys hearing, I think. And, and, and I think that's a wonderful thing now that we might breathe new life into them as far as different approach and instrumental instrument, you know, approach to, to different songs that helps them sound a little more contemporary maybe in, in live with time. But the fact is, is times change, you know, we're not all wearing, you know, white wigs and, and black coats at this point in time. Either just things change. And, and styles of music changes also. 
Yeah, here's another study that said uh, 78% of millennials say that music is an important part of their worship experience compared to 64% of baby boomers. So um, the music is a less important to the... And I saw something the other day that our youngest baby boomers now are going to be like 59 this year. So, you know, they're like, I think their age range is like, I don't want to say it's 77 or 87, something like that. Maybe it's 77 to, to 59 is that, that range of um, baby boomers. So, yeah. Um, there was one other. One other one I saw here. Yeah, according to, this, this kind of ties into our, our um, conversation about engagement. Um, according to a survey by LifeWay Research, a majority of Protestant pastors in the United States believe that their church's worship services are effective in leading people to worship and connect with God. However, some pastors express concern about a lack of participation and engagement from congregants during worship. So it's not just, it's obviously, it's not just us or whatever. It's probably every church has a... And I, I think I've even heard people say that came to the church, I think sometimes we do a really good job of actually engaging the congregation to sing. Like I said, there, there are times where, there's definitely times where it's kind of, you know, I, I don't know, flatter or whatever. Um, but there are times too where, I, you know, I've had people even tell me, they've been like, wow, I can actually hear people singing here at this church. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. The goal isn't to put on as a worship team, as worship facilitators, maybe that's a better way to put it, um, we're, we're to engage the congregation to to sing, you know, not to not to be the singers, but to engage them that we're all corporately kind of doing this thing. But I think it, from time to time, I think we've done that, you know, fairly well. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think that, that our congregation sings. Yeah, I would, and I, I think I've heard every single person here say it, um, you've said it, I've heard Ben do it. And I think Lisa, how awesome it is mm-hmm. to yeah. be up there. And, uh, I think you say, I wish you guys could hear yourselves mm-hmm. backing yeah. because it is, it's really cool. Yeah. I think during, during the practice, sometimes I forget, like we're going to hear people sing back. So it's like, I actually even said to Jackie this morning, like, well, we're not doing a very good job up here on the stage of singing, but everyone else will just will mm. fill in the gaps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think we've had to remind ourselves of that sometimes yeah. before when you're rehearsing songs. You're like, man, it's just it sounds a little empty, but we have to remind ourselves. Well, we were going to have an, another couple hundred people singing mm-hmm. the song with us, also, and it really is a powerful thing. And and not to belabor the point, the technology question when when you've got several hundred people together that are singing in unity to the same God, there's something really, really powerful about that that really builds that, that, that emotion to, to just really, really, really want to pour yourself into worshiping God. And, and I, I just can't imagine depriving myself of that sitting on my couch listening to someone talk. Yeah. 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 I don't know if it's true. I need to look into it some more, but I've heard uh, on a couple of different occasions that when you get a group of people and and they begin to sing and that that uh, together for long enough that their heartbeats actually begin to synchronize. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's really true, but I've heard that a couple times. It'd be interesting to really find out, you know, how accurate that really is. Should we Next like Sunday put a heart yeah, monitor yeah, on equip, everyone. Equip the, Let's do it. Equip the congregation with heart monitors. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now coming soon to the Rock Church. <laughs> well, that's all I had. Does anybody have any any final thoughts or anything? Um, before we we close out here today any uh awesome well 
thank you guys for taking time out of your your day to meet with us. Um, we're hoping to get a little more traction with this podcast thing. We like just being able to meet with folks and give people an opportunity to come and visit and share their thoughts on various things. So we've got a list of ideas. So this uh, this one just came up and I think it worked out. So thanks for spending a little bit of time with us today. Thanks, yeah. Troy. You yeah. bet. Thanks, Troy. Thanks, thanks Troy. And I'll just close out here. I'll just say that's going to do it for us here at the Rock Church Podcast. Uh, we want to thank you all for tuning in and listening. And if you are out there listening and you have a topic or something you're passionate about and you want to come in and talk to us about it, let us know. Uh, I did set up a, an email account. It's podcast at bighornrock.com and send us a, send us an email. Let us know if you have an idea or you want to come talk corner try in his office or whatever you want to do, but we're happy to uh, hear your ideas and, and maybe set aside a podcast um, subject to, to visit. So thanks again for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this podcast informational, uplifting, and inspiring. Please join us next time. And until we meet again, be blessed. If you'd like more information about the Rock Church at the Bighorns, please visit our website at www.bighornrock.com.